Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask What's My Thesis. And today, I have a return guest, Abdiel Lopez. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. I actually have something that we can really straight up just start with uh, because this is the first time that this has happened to me because I don't know that many people that are not, uh, or is it, what's the right way to say it? It like, are you non-gender conforming or is it, is that like a problematic fucking term? Not at all. I think I, I mean, right now I'm like questioning all of it. I think I'm everything and nothing. So anything goes, but, uh, but so like, but here's the thing. So like growing up, I just grew up with this idea of how to relate to men. And mm-hmm. it's something that has also served me interacting with, uh, with gay men because, mm-hmm. or with Sith, cis gay men where mm-hmm. it's like, I can be like, Hey bro. And it's like the way that I like, those are like terms of endearment, but I actually don't know if those are inappropriate. And then the other thing I wanted to touch, I mean, we, you can answer that in a second. The other thing I like, I referred to you in another episode and I forgot to um for, so first of all i want to apologize to you in person but i also want to touch up your pronouns are they and them correct uh yeah but they're also he and him and okay so he and him is, was no. not yeah. was not terrible okay no 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 not at all but it was an interesting situation where i was like oh fuck like i'm literally mm-hmm. talking about somebody who identifies as non-binary and i'm calling them him in your case it's okay but like i <laughs> it was the first time that i had to do that mental exercise where it was like mm-hmm. um yeah, like checking yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be proud of myself. It's more of like, it, it's more interesting because, I mean, I guess in your case, it's not offensive if I say bro and man. I mean, I, I kind of do that like to women too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, think, I don't think I've ever taken offense to that, but I think it's also because I, I mean, I have a very interesting relationship with gender, identity, uh-huh. and expression. I feel like I recognize how I can be read as a man. And I think I value a lot of my own masculine traits and just masculinity, but I also Mm. question it a lot because I think I do have a balance of like femininity, masculinity. I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm just like, I'm just here, you know? And I feel like it's just like a gender fuck moment where I'm like, yeah, like you can call me she, her, you can call me he, him, or they, them, whatever you want, whatever feels right for you. I don't feel like I need to be one thing at any given time. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, no, I, it was more of just like a, I wanted to s- s- be clear about right. that. And then also the reason that it came up is because we were talking about. I, I remember after our conversation, you had a, you had told me that you actually didn't know there was a, a a a story that you were telling about, and this is the story that I was trying to relate. And I said he him, but mm-hmm. um, and then I just said they them, which I guess both were correct. But yes, but the story you were telling was like that you identify as a woman, sometimes it comes off, even though as you read it as a man, it comes off as like problematic. Mm -hmm. And I asked another non-binary guest that is coming out next week. um, I don't know in relation to this week when that is, but it's uh, the Andre Terrell Jackson episode. And Mm -hmm. they, or Andre prefers to be called Andre and not have pronouns. Mm -hmm. But Andre was saying that, uh, he laid it down. Or sorry, fuck. <laughs> yeah, Andre, no, they, yeah. they, they, I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's programming, and I, I resent it too. But um, 
they were saying that uh, that it is there, like there's there's a lot of complexity because yeah. a lot of times gay men are misogynist, but then mm-hmm. a lot of times women are treating you know like uh, misogynist in the sense of like Ew, vaginas are icky. It was right. I think a direct quote, <laughs> and <laughs> and then the idea of. Um, Oh, I haven't lost my train of thought, but I mean, you can right, tell right. what direction I was heading in so you can address it. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I, that's the thing I think now that I'm, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, maybe I'm going to come off as um, privileged, but I honestly uh, have been using this moment of sheltering in place in my little studio apartment in Koreatown as a moment to reflect about my own positionality, I guess, in this world. Um I mean, I honestly, I think now I've come to realize that I'm really okay with a lot of things about myself. I think I just recognize the fluidity that exists within me. And I mean, that that goes beyond gender. I mean, even sexually or sexuality-wise, I'm very fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, again, like you said, it's a programming thing. You're trying to deconstruct everything that you were taught. You're trying to question yourself, challenge yourself, but really look inward. And, and that's kind of what I've been doing for the past almost four months is just I mean, really just putting a a mirror up to my face and just asking myself who the fuck I am. Uh, Who is she? (laughs) What what kind of uh, answers are you you getting back? Because that's a pretty intense. I mean, I think to some degree, maybe not everybody is doing it as deliberately as you, but Mm -hmm. I've certainly hit the spot where I'm no longer uh, sheltering in place and like just beating myself up about myself. And, Mm. And maybe I can relate a little bit to that idea of like, oh, hey, I'm starting to get a hang of what I am when I have nothing Mm -hmm. to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, I I think it's, I'm really exploring what I've been trying to avoid. I've been really just facing headfirst all these these different um, challenges that I think I neglected to, to face in terms of, yeah, gender, I mean, sexuality. I recognize that a lot of, cis gay men or cis queer men are very misogynistic, like you said. So I had to look at myself and ask myself, have you been misogynistic? Where is that? Where is that patriarchy coming from? Are you willing to kill that colonizer inside of you, that patriarchal figure inside of you? It's, it's, I mean, it's a complete deconstruction. And I think this, this is such a prime and opportune moment to do so with oneself, given everything that's happening around us politically, socially too. Um, We're talking about abolition. We're talking about, creating new worlds. I mean, really the worlds are already here. We just need to invest in them. We need to invest in ourselves. Love doesn't just go beyond or just doesn't, isn't only for community, but it's also for oneself. Right. So I think, I think that I'm just like rethinking a lot about this notion of love and I'm really using it as a sort of framework to approach different aspects of my life, including identities, including my relationships with people, um, it's a whole moment right now. <laughs> Definitely, and you sound you sound very excited and energized, which is um, oh really? I mean, which, go, go. No, which is nice. I, it sounds yeah. like it doesn't sound like this is like it sounds like this is work that's uh, energizing you as opposed to like mm-hmm. making you feel bad about yourself. But I do want to uh, go back because I I mm-hmm. remembered what I forgot, and I wanted to make sure that the end conclusion of that conversation that I had with Andre was not that only that white men were, uh, gay, gay cis men were misogynist, but also that in the balance of things that gay men 
are sort of considered deviant to some dis- mm-hmm. degree. And so that also, Andre was talking about how power is not discussed enough when you're talking about intersectionality, where you a lot of times you're talking about oppression when you're dealing with intersectionality, but you're not necessarily recognizing the power that people have in different um so anyway the conclusion was actually very favorable to you and and it was nice to talk to somebody that could maybe empathize with it more than maybe somebody that was a cis person Mm -hmm. who who could be like oh no i see all the complexities in this and i understand why um abdiel was feeling uncertain about it because it is it's fraught definitely but anyway uh so what what um is the, is there any like art related impulse to this? Because mm-hmm. I mean, one of the yeah. things that I got to point out is that a lot of this is in the absence of perreando, <laughs> right? Right. Perreo. So exactly. I mean, that must be like a whole fucking thing, right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh god! Here we are opening this can of worms. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, what does it mean to be okay? I, I hate that I'm going to quote Bad Bunny. Because he's problematic, um, but dude, yeah. what is but, that? What's that? What's that breakdown? That the the Safira challenge or Safira? Oh yes, Safira challenge. Safira. Okay, look, I've been I was I've been practicing at home by myself. Mami, que tu quieres? Aquí está tu tiburón. That shit is good, bro. It drops hard. Anyway, we can talk about his problematic shit too, though. Right, but the fact that I can't do that with people around me, with community. I mean, I, but I think that's 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 why I feel so energized is because I was so focused on, I guess, perreando with everybody else. And that's and that's beautiful to create worlds with people around you and with other people. But what does it mean to start creating your own world in your own home, in your own sanctuary, in, in light of so much that is happening? And, in, in, you, you know, the world is crumbling right before our own eyes. So I'm just trying to find some sort of I mean, maybe stability within all this instability. I'm also just trying to seek refuge because I know everything around me is crumbling apart. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been I've been trying to find pockets of joy, is what I like to say. Um, and one of them is dancing, perreando at home by myself, imagining myself, just like I guess um, I'm channeling my ancestors. I think I don't know if I said that last time, but I think that's that's why I dance. Uh-huh. Yeah, I you did say that of, last time. Yeah, I invoke a lot of these ancestral ties. And what does it mean to be, you know, queer, brown, um, right now, in solidarity with also black lives? Uh, it's just, there's a lot here that that is just coming up to the surface that I think I just neglected or didn't pay much attention to. Um, and I, I don't know if a lot of people will share this sentiment, but we just, we were robotic. I mean, we were just doing things to do things. At least I was, yeah. and I wasn't really paying attention. I wasn't really challenging myself or reading into exactly what I was investing my energies into. And now that I am, I'm like, I'm, I can't wait. I mean, if, if this ever ends, I can't wait to see what comes of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's a lot of fucking craziness coming i will say this that you were always a pretty thoughtful person so i think that you just have more time to pursue those things and it really sounds like you're i mean it sounds a little bit like you feel about what your free time is like i struggle with it when i 
Mm. when I give myself too much free time, when I'm like, I'm going to take a week off from posting episodes. But I just took two weeks off because I'm literally about to drop the uh, Patreon this week, Mm -hmm. this next week. So from now on, I'm doing two episodes a week because I'm so fucking bored. (laughs) That's real. That is so real. But see, yeah, you're making time for a lot of the things. Well, I just didn't have the time to do this. And, and then, and then, so there's, there's this balance of like being sort of overwhelmed by all the free time and then also having to take responsibility for all of it and and saying like yo what am i going to do with this this is a fucking dream come true in in like a very real sense like i mean the perfect dream would be if i could still hang out with all my friends and not have to work but not having to work is kind of amazing that's yeah i mean i don't ever dream of labor um i mean i'm still working actually can you get a little closer to the mic because it it gets echoey when you're when you're far away yeah no i was just saying how um yeah i don't ever dream of labor but i am still working right now actually yeah um i've been i've been working but i guess well you just got a promotion too like props to you so we can celebrate you even though people are struggling that like that takes work (laughs) that takes work and you're doing it in the art world too right Right. That shit, also, that shit just got crushed. So you got something. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this is why I guess, I don't know. It's, I mean, we're looking really at, so I'm just going to briefly talk about what we're doing is we're looking at these cultural communities and basically investing in these alternative economic models, whether that's cooperatives, um, et cetera, across the country, basically. And we're investing in them because we believe in them. It's what we call believe in you money. Um, so it's like unrestricted grants or different types of investments that we basically say, look, like we, you are the future. And like the fact that people are not investing in you as much as they should is a problem. It's problematic. So here we are trying to influence funder behavior by giving you these uh, grants, these loans, these um, investments. Uh, so it's been inspiring. And I think that that's what's also kind of keeping me grounded for the past four months is the work that I'm doing yeah. there along with the work that I'm doing on my own. It's just really a ripe moment for me to really grow into my adulthood now that I'm officially in my mid twenties. Yeah. So uh, wait, can I ask you something? Cause yeah. I just Googled zoomer. Are you a zoomer? You know, <laughs> I, I am. I think I'm, so I'm a Gen Z or I guess, is that like, so yeah, that's a zoomer. So yeah, you're not. Actually, I, 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 I'm, let me apologize first of all because I think I referred to you as a millennial hard last no, time. No, I am not a millennial. <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer, so we're like a Gen. Okay. We're a whole Gen. I'm the Two last. Generations. I'm the last Gen Gen X uh, uh, year. Uh, I'm not like it would be crazy if I was like December first, but <laughs> no, I'm oh my just God. like I'm. Uh, I'm May May fourth. So dang, yeah. yeah. So you're you're Gen. Oh, not. Not Gemini. What's before Gemini? Taurus. Taurus. There you go. Bro, I'm stubborn, bro. Yeah, yeah that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> no tea, no shade, but that's what I hear. And I'm a cancer, so <laughs> we're emotional. So we got yes, that. yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's a, a long-standing documentation of that. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yes. Uh, I, I, yes. On Instagram. Well, actually, it's funny that you – well, I don't know. You didn't bring this up explicitly, but I'm actually going on a social media hiatus. Oh, really? For the next couple of months. Um, that's just the work that needs to be done. I mean, but that's a little bit tangential. But, you know, it's, it's again, being intentional about being alone, about being with oneself and thus the universe. Yeah. 
I don't know, different, different. I think when was the last time I spoke with you? This was back in October. Oh, you, you, remember? yeah. I can't, I, right? I honestly can't yeah. remember. I, I think like so. Months. It was about then. Cause yeah. I think I still I mean, had my car. Yeah. Oh, right. Wait, right. was it after my yeah. accident? Cause October, you, no, October I was, think, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, October was when I crashed. So that's a good, like, uh, guess that would help me figure it out. But anyway, we'll probably cut all this out. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but, um, yeah, just, just interesting. Also, you know, I'm changing my appearance. I think, um, I think kind of going back to the gender, um, question, what does it mean to be whatever the fuck I identify when there's no one around. Cause I, I think a lot of what I used to do and I think a lot of my contemporaries do is we place a lot of emphasis on our relationships with the other. I mean, that's just how identities work too. Like you are, therefore I am both in quotation marks. Right. So what does it mean to exist in this queer round body when you're alone? Most of the time, when you're quarantined, when no, you're not necessarily visible, in public or even on social media. That's something that I'm going to grapple with, I think, as I move forward with the social media hiatus, is what does it mean to be, you know, queer and brown today in this pandemic during Black Lives Matter movement, um, perreando, trying to perrear, trying to find, I don't know, you know, trying social to grow into my Exactly. Yes, exactly. I mean, I honestly have not gone to any Zoom parties, which is, I know it's a thing, I just can't do it. I, I can't, I feel like I need to be with people. That's, that's yeah. why it's, it's such a struggle. It's either I dance alone or I'm with people, but to dance in front of a camera like that, I don't know. I just can't get myself to it. So it's oh, interesting. Wait, so it's, they're, they're dancing. Oh, that is weird. You know, it's like a party for one, but not really. And then like people can like see. It's like I don't eating know, styrofoam just... because it tastes, because there was like a, a hamburger in there at one point, right. you know? Exactly. It's like, what? I don't know what this is. So, I mean, that's also something that I've been considering. What does it but, mean to party? But you, okay. So, like, I actually had to stop myself from interjecting and being like, totally. When you said the thing about, because you, you said it specifically about what it means to be queer. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's interesting also because specifically from my experience of what you talk about when you post or when you weren't on Instagram hiatus is that, um, you're addressing a lot of the performative element of, yeah. of, of that. And, and so that's interesting, but I do relate to that in a less specific sense, right? Like in, in the sense of like, when I stopped working, and I was doing sales, uh, selling musical instruments. And like, I liked selling that shit. It was, I didn't feel like it was ethically questionable. <laughs> you know, like if someone has mm-hmm. money to buy a guitar and you sell them something they like, <laughs> like, it's not like, it's not sales for me. Uh, I've definitely mm-hmm. sold things that like, I, I remember this one time I sold a, uh, a kid, a, uh, a, uh, a, um, a bright orange shirt just because I knew that I could not because I would actually wear it or that I thought that he could pull it off. Like <laughs> This was when I was like 18 and I was like first like learning my evil powers of persuasion. <laughs> and the, after that I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the stock room. This, I was working at American Eagle, but oh I completely like lost the fucking thread. But uh, the, basically <laughs> when I was, <laughs> when I was working 
and then I stopped working, I realized like, yo, there's nobody to bounce myself off of. You, mm-hmm. Like it's like tennis, right? Like if no mm-hmm. one lobs exactly. the ball back to you, if no one, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I, I mean, it's easy to fucking go crazy when that first happens. That's that I, I kind of alluded it to before, like yeah. this time around when I realized that we were going to be shut down. Cause it was a moment where it looked like, Oh, we're gonna get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, then, and then, and th- then the reality hit me again. And I was like, oh, no, we're fucked for a long time. And, we're long <laughs> and the desperation might mean that we have other spikes, right? And so, um, so, yeah, but this time around, it was more outrage externally. I think that, like, I've kind, I've kind of also, I, or I can relate to that sense of, like, I've kind of made sort of peace with all of the shit that I wasn't addressing because I was always interacting with people and you know um refreshing like hitting refresh on the on the button of who i am mm-hmm. like you know because but like in the absence of everything it, it became really easy to be like oh here's a list of why i'm an asshole <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know i can you relate is that is that kind of what you're talking about but like I mean, a little bit more yeah. specific to your experience but sort of overlapping well, that's really funny. Well, it's not funny, but I think, yes. So some things that I've been thinking about in relation to that, I mean, I'm just coming out of a breakup sort of. Um, so I, this is the first time in a while. I, sorry. I just felt like saying congratulations and then I didn't, but like I should also <laughs> I mean, just, so you, you're on lockdown and you're single, bro. There's going to be, there is going to be so many people trying to fuck. Oh Very soon. I, you know, I'm already on Grinder, and these men are trying to get it. But I'm like, you know what? Social distancing, please. I'm not trying to get this Rona out here. Um, I'm a little bit on Tinder too, and I'm trying to. I'm. I'm it's on, hard. I'm on that persuasive persuading side where I have to be like. I, I've kind of mastered the art of just being rejected and just being so good at being rejected where they're like, wait, what? Oh my, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm trying to still bite the apple. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> look, it's hard out here. We can't, well, we can't be. What I told my therapist was that, like, if I die from Corona, from trying to get laid, there are worse things that could. <laughs> that exactly. Could kill me. You know what? At least you pursued something that you wanted and maybe you die trying. <laughs> and there, you know, this is the age of consent because everybody's fucking desperate, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it really, yes. We I all think. just want to be held. That period, that is that's what it is. And so you know what? Now I have to hold myself. That's the biggest lesson I'm learning right now is okay, that man is no longer in my life. So how how do I give myself these own my own flowers? How do I give myself nice. the my hugs, the cuddles that I want? You know, how do I caress myself? I've been it's fucking just desperate for a cat. <laughs> well, yeah, thankfully I have Orchata, my little dog. Oh, yeah, he's you been, look Oh, my goodness, right. <laughs> he's been amazing for that. But um, so, yeah, I mean, because of that breakup, I feel like I've had to really, you know, I, didn't, I just didn't realize how internalized a lot of these sort of patriarchal mechanisms were instilled within me and how they surfaced up at certain trigger points. And I think that's why, even though, yes, the breakup or the relationship ended, I was able to confront or at least uncover 
these sort of patriarchal tendencies that I may have or these dominant masculine um, tendencies that were within me. And I'm trying, I'm just trying to kill it. I'm trying to kill the colonizer. Like I said uh, earlier, I'm trying to kill the patriarchy inside of me because I mean, it's not, it's not doing anybody any good. You know, it's really, it's really self-abolition work. It's, it's about destroying everything that's negative and toxic from within. It also sounds like a really empowering place to sort of, it, it, um, it's, it's, you're not making yourself the victim, but you're mm-hmm. acknowledging that you're not a bad person. Cause I think a lot of the, a lot of times when you're doing work on yourself, a lot of it is like, why am I such an asshole? You know? <laughs> right. Oh, don't get me wrong. That's how it started. <laughs> no, but dude, you're giving me tools is what I'm saying. Cause the, uh, that, that is, that is profound. Right. And, and I think that I, it goes to, and I don't want to go too far away from this into talk, into mm-hmm. getting catty about like, um, <laughs> white women but i do i i I do think that that uh there is i've been kind of on a tirade you've been you haven't been necessarily social mediaing but i fucking went on a fucking i went on a rampage so hard (laughs) that uh that people like on npr and just sort of yeah on, on 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 instagram that like my my listens went up and I was like so worried that I was gonna get canceled, and people oh started God. to listen to the show because I did like a fucking long fucking diatribe about how. Uh, well, I won't get into it, but basically, <laughs> but basically about how a tragedy porn, which is what I think that the New York Times and yeah. and all of these things, and I think that a lot of times it what, what NPR and all of those like very dramatic. Mm-hmm. picture uh, word picture stories of people suffering mm-hmm. white people get into it and it's like they're watching reality yeah. tv it's like it's almost like yeah. they're fucking it's almost trumpian in the mm-hmm. way that it detaches them from the reality of what is actually going on behind the scenes and um it's it it gets it, it gets deep because what i'm saying is that i think that a lot the way that you're talking about your process of healing is something I, I find that you know like that uh, NPR mentality leads to a lot of things like people saying shit like like you know I'm not a huge Ilhan Omar fan but mm-hmm. she k- repeatedly gets gets asked by white women or I don't know if uh, one was a white woman I don't know if the if the most recent one but like it keeps happening where they ask her to condemn female genital mutilation Mm. and what the way that you're talking about your process of uh decolonizing yourself Mm -hmm. is interesting because it um assigns appropriate responsibility to the to to, to the mechanism to like the learning right for example Mm -hmm. uh, when i was frustrated that i was having a hard time switching uh or like remembering to respect people's pronouns and and the difficulty with that like that's depro that's decolonization mm-hmm. essentially and i had never thought of it that way until we talked but um but i think that that's empowering because i think that a lot of like that same thing of like the general mutilation is like oh latin american cultures are misogynist right you know and and it's like well, yeah but why right exactly it's like trickle down misogyny exactly 
yeah, you, you have to get things at the root. I think that's what, okay, so I've been reading Bell Hooks, um, <laughs> all about love. Bell Hooks? Bell Hooks, yeah. Oh, my God. That? You are not the only, like, literally the other non-binary guest. <laughs> oh, really? Andre, all yeah. about love? Uh, I, I, they mentioned, uh, they mentioned, or, uh, Andre mentioned something, uh, by bell hooks. I don't know if it's the same book. That is so crazy. I mean, I think a lot of my, uh, network is reading that right now. I really? think a lot of us, are, we need to do a lot of healing. I mean, look at what's happening with Will Smith and Jada Smith. Yes. Uh, you know, going to the red table. I am taking myself to the red table. Right Wait, now. you have insights <laughs> that I don't know about that. Tell oh me gosh. what you, tell me what you think about that shit. There might oh, be analogies Lord. that I don't know. About life. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's, I think, I think some people are really good at pretending to be accountable about one's own actions and aren't really holding each other accountable. I think, I think Jada going to the red table, I mean, honestly, just the whole situation was very problematic. How, but I think it's very. What was problematic? It, how August outed the situation? Well, also, he was in a very vulnerable position. He was, I think he's all, he was also 20 years old when they were in that uh, oh, so it's exploitative so it's a little bit yes. more like um the guy that outed uh, well the one that survived because he's on a big tv show on star trek the guy that outed uh, oh um oh, spacey yeah. mm-hmm. yo three motherfuckers have died i oh wow you know but it's yeah that Oh, wow. All I'm, just, saying, right now. All I'm saying is yeah. that there's a conspiracy theory because he puts on a ring at the end of that video where he's uh, of the Frank is back video. And I think that he has like a royal mug. So he's like, I, there's there's conspiracy talk that uh, that that was him saying like, hey, y'all need to fucking handle this. Wow. <laughs> I mean, look, it, there's no. But it's fun, that, right? <laughs> right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to oh talk shit like this. Anyway, let's go back to what you were saying. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't know you're good. Um, that's see, I'm not very in tune with that with those stories. But you were talking about Jada, though. So right, right. I wasn't too far off of like these are rich motherfuckers doing weird shit to people. Yeah, exactly. And fuck celebrity culture, basically. That's what we're seeing too. Um, but yeah, I mean, also understanding these, I guess, these mechanisms that may turn you sometimes into the predator or even prey sometimes, you know, I think it's, it's really hard to confront those um, systems that put us in those places. But I think in this situation, and I'm in no way, shape or form saying Jade is a predator, but there are tendencies. I'm saying it because it turns me on. No, (laughs) (laughs) I am dead. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But you know what? That's that. Sometimes we have to realize that. You know, that no, that. <laughs> we are going to be that. And how do you destroy that? How do you dismantle that? Well, um, I think, so, that, I think yeah. that that's a fair thing where, you know, like I was joking, but <laughs> you right. validated no, yeah. it. And then you made me realize that like, oh, yeah, actually, we're kind of OK with. Uh, I mean, they don't get away with it, but like women teachers molesting students, mm-hmm, we're right? Like, like that. Yeah, <laughs> you already know who I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I forget her name. The white woman. Which one? No, wait, I don't. Oh, see, okay. Th- oh, there's Lord. like six of them. Know. Yeah, there's like six. Of them. Yeah, no, this. It's I think a lot of lonely white women that fuck young yeah. guys. Kids, children, literally children, um, yeah. children of color, oftentimes, and. Yeah, but they're exotic. <laughs> right. You know, that's, that's, I, there's so much right now coming to the light that we're like, we have to fucking 
not only turn off these little fires everywhere, but grasp it at the root. And that's, I, I think, going back to my original point about bell hooks, that's what she says is radical. People who are, like, radical people, radical feminists, etc., they grab things by the fucking root. And I think that's where we're at. That's where I'm at, is we have to fucking get things at the root and then destroy them if they're bad and build new systems that are that are actually good for us, sustainable for the people who have been disempowered for so long. Um, but that work is also, and it also has to be internal. I just realized that what you're talking about is essentially uh, emancipate yourself from mental <laughs> slavery. Like, it, you, you know, it's like a Bob Marley song that has been just like, it's like a poster now, but <laughs> it's actually, a really, yeah. you know, like it's, it's funny how the, I mean, these are, these are like not, modified. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also kind of a scary thing that can happen, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's definitely something that's been attempted right now. Right. What do you, what else, like, what are you doing to like, keep yourself busy? Well, I think touching a little bit on the performance art uh, side of me, I've been really like exploring the idea of uh, the archetype of the clown, the mime, Pierrot from you know the I, I think Italian comedy. He was like a clown figure, and Pierrot. I think I want to yeah Pierrot. Um, okay. He's yeah yeah yeah. He, I think or that's a French word. I think. French name. No, but uh, I mean, there's a French Italian or Italians with French names. He sounds like a right. soccer player either way. <laughs> <laughs> Pierrot. Yeah, exactly. Um, Del Piero. No, I, no, exactly. Yeah, no, I've been, I've just been kind of exploring that, I guess, in terms of drag. And I think that's where I'm trying to go into right now is using this moment, not only to perfect my mug, my face in drag, but also kind of, I think that's, that would be my brand. Uh, as a drag performer, as a performance artist, and do sort of guerrilla style performance art, where I just go to a public space and then just do my do my piece, right? And I think, are you when you say drag though? Are you is it as performant? It, like the first thing that comes to mind is um, Drag Race, obviously, because it's like, yeah, the right. biggest. Oh is it, are you are you talking about like putting on wigs and stuff and getting all dolled up? Because I, I I've I've not seen that side of you uh, on your mm-hmm. Instagram. I I'm, I'm asking because you may have that side of you. That I I just want to be clear what we're talking about. Yeah, very much that. Um, okay, so you artistic, you, yeah. What's, what is the aesthetic like that you're going for? I guess I'm going I, – I don't know if you're going to know these references or if anybody out there is going to know these references. If I don't know them, still give them because people, yeah. people mention scholars all the time and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, so I think I, I definitely see myself as a mix between Valentina, who's this Latina drag superstar giving you telenovela realness because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up on telenovela. So that's, that's my reference, but also – um, make it art historical, like Sasha Velour, right? And she's another famous drag queen. Uh, from, season nine, from, how, eight, from, from what period? Because you said historical. Oh, no. Uh, no, so she does a lot of art historical references in her, in oh. her um, drag, but she just won the season nine uh, season of Drag Race. Okay. Just because okay. I know of the show doesn't mean I'm like up to date on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> this is the time to get up to date. Where can you find What service has it? I'll watch I think that Hulu. Yeah. Hulu. Hulu. Okay. Um, yeah. So definitely watch it. Um, so I think a, a mix of telenovela, art history, um, dramatic, 
I and the reason why you haven't seen me on Instagram as necessarily this full Glamazonian drag queen is because I I'm one of those people who I need to perfect something before I publicly do it, which is okay. something that I'm trying to deconstruct right now. Is I should just do it and see what comes of it. But that's why I've also been kind of on the DL about about that kind of art. <laughs> well, no, it, I mean that's why I asked the way I did because it doesn't <clears> surprise <throat> me. It seems like a progression for you. Inter- you you've definitely been performative on your Instagram and in general, like that's what I was interested or that's why I uh, reached out to you. Cause I was like, yeah. not only were you performing yourself in a very, it was almost like uh low key, like you were a conservative version <laughs> of it, <laughs> but like with some flair, uh, but you were always bigging up um, like, the the performer culture right so you were you were definitely celebrating it and referencing the influences but i had never seen you perform to that extent yeah right and you know that's so interesting that you mentioned like conservative but with that flair because i feel like that is exactly how people see my own gender expression or even identity i've gotten a lot of people say oh yeah like I mean, every time I talk to you, you're, I don't really see a boy or a girl. You, you just are, but then there's like this, these contours of femininity, of masculinity that kind of seep out when we're talking through your mannerisms, your behavior patterns. And I think that's what's so, I think that's what I'm honoring about myself is that, yeah, like, fuck it. I don't have to be one. And this is so obvious, but like, you don't have to be one way to, in order to, um, I guess, qualify your identity. But I think I, I, for so long, I was trying to fit in. I was trying to be uh, maybe too feminine or, or too non-binary, whatever the fuck that means, to even be seen as that. But in reality, I just, I just am who I am, and I think people do acknowledge that. Yeah, like there's, there's something there that is non-binary. Um, maybe it's not easily digested as that. But I think once you get to know me, I think you, you definitely get that, get that version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely like. I I meant more in in what you felt comfortable putting out into, in in Instagram. But it definitely, when we've spoken, you've you've uh, like, for example, the the conversation that or the conversation that we had after the episode where you were like, I'm not sure how this is perceived. I think there's an awareness of how of the or <clears throat> maybe at that point you might have been creatively trying to process that but now it seems like you may be more comfortable with yeah what that is which i could i i mean not necessarily i mean i <laughs> not necessarily my expression of like sexuality but in mm-hmm. terms of creative expression i can i can relate to you know like okay in terms of just being vocal about politics and mm-hmm. about the way that I want to talk about it, not the left right shit that everybody is always trying to engage me into, but like in this uh, discussion about imperialism, that's been something that I have sort of had to find my voice, and a lot of that has been in in interaction and in reflection mm-hmm. with with people that uh, are also going through that process of sort of like. Because, I mean, there's something very political of what you're talking about, which is why I also relate, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. You know, it's funny because there's a quote that just came up in my head that I think now I 100% relate to. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly who I am. 
And it's, do you know Nao Bustamante? No. Okay, so she's this pioneering uh, performance artist who's based here in L.A. Um, and anyway, so she's been written about by so many of the queer theorists that I follow. And one of her quotes, I mean, I'm just like, yes, like, I'm gagged by how accurate it is. And she says, um, I'm not responsible for your experience of my work. And it's, I think that's just like, that encapsulates everything that I'm feeling right now. It's like, bitch, I'm gonna do me, whatever the fuck that means. And I'm not really responsible for your projections uh, about my work, about that you put onto me. And I think that's kind of why I'm so interested in, in this Pierrot figure who in the comedy, he was like silent. And the audience for a period of time in the comedy's history, um, the audience was projecting onto the character what they wanted him to do. Um, but for so long, I guess that's what I felt that I had to do. I had to conform to what people within my communities wanted me to do. And I'm just like, and I know it's like such a basic like breakthrough to have, but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm not responsible for how you see my work, whether you think that's, you know, whatever the fuck you think it is, I'm just going to do it. And I think it's an important yeah, but I, I think that that I, there's something that you said there that makes me want to like be like no give yourself credit because it's actually fucking hard because i understand that you that it's easy to f succumb to the pressures mm -hmm. right even when you're trying to be nonconformist you know there's always going to be somebody <laughs> there's always going to be that feminist who doesn't shave her armpits mm -hmm. that's going to shame the mm -hmm. feminist right and so like how do you fit into that space right uh, I, I hope I <laughs> communicated that thought eloquently, no but, but, but yeah, you get what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it seems like there's a, there's a sense of relief in, in, in this ability to sort of, um, it, it's almost like, it, it, okay, how about this? Is, is the fact that there is a sense of the need to elevate voices of color, Let's mm -hmm. just say, use a broad, broad term that white people would right. use to include <laughs> us in that. Or more you, because you are obviously more of color than I am. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I want to acknowledge my privilege. But mm -hmm. um, do you think that part of that sense of like, like, is, is there a societal element to this freedom that you're starting to feel? Is, is that influencing that? Or am I just like making that shit up because I'm feeling it in a different way? Mm. Where, no. I'm, like, where, mm. I'm, where I'm feeling much more empowered to speak about politics in general. Whereas before I felt like I had to be a little bit more of an entertainer that, mm. that subverted, that tried to include, I mean, this is grandiose the way I'm talking about it, but like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I hadn't given this much thought, but I'm just like trying to think about how I thought about it. You know, you get what I'm saying? Anyway, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think that no, yes, there is a lot of truth in that. Um, I, yeah, I think, and that's kind of tying in back to my comment about my contemporaries saying, or or just even in general, when people say Latino culture or like yes, like Latini that, like I think for so long maybe so many of us, or I'll just say myself, I wanted to represent that. Even in undergrad, I was like, yes, I'm this brown, Chicanx, queer, like faggot, whatever. And I'm like, I'm, I, I like, I use so many identifiers, but when it, in reality, I didn't realize that all of these identifiers, I mean, kind of don't mean shit. And that's kind of where I'm going. I'm going with this is yeah. I'm moving, I'm moving past the need to say, 
Like, yeah, I mean, I'm Latinx. Obviously, I'm Latinx. Obviously, I'm brown. But what the fuck does are you really saying when you say you're Latinx, you're queer, you're brown? Like, there's nothing inherently truth or truthful. Yeah, truthful about any of those identifiers. And I think that's why I love the idea of just saying, you know, queering or subverting like I guess just me existing is subverting any sort of hegemonic culture or hegemonic um, structure mm-hmm. and I think I, mean, I don't know I guess it's, yeah like you said it's it's liberatory in how I'm seeing myself because I don't want to pigeonhole myself into um, just being a brown performance artist like I don't even know what that means at the end of the day like yes yeah. my brownness does shape my performance art but so does my queerness and I think that's that kind of ties in back to this intersectional sort of inter- uh, identity that you're that I'm in is yeah like well, I'm pulling from everything and also just want to point out that last time we spoke like now you're talking about yourself as a performer but last time we spoke mm-hmm. you were more of a, you felt a little bit more comfortable in in, an, in terms of being an academic so it seems like yeah the the, <laughs> the work that you've been doing low key behind the scenes that you want to <laughs> sorry can I say in the closet <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know what? Say it. Why not? I love it. There, <laughs> there should have been a because right. it was like such an on the nose pun. But yeah, like it. It. it uh, it's. It, I mean, that's kind of. Yeah. Like I. It's funny because it. That's validating for me because I. All, I. I. I kind of knew you were an artist. <laughs> you, you kind of you kind of knew I was artist. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I was just like, "All right, whatever. This is what you're saying now." And I would just need to convert. Uh, oh, convert. <laughs> That's problematic language. I need to convert. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Matt Miranda. I don't know if you listen to his episodes, but um, mm-hmm. he's a uh, he's another. I think he's a he for sure. But he's a, a clear <laughs> gentleman that mm-hmm. uh, has been on the show. I don't know. I I I do like the exploration also. Like even though we're talking about a lot of things that wouldn't necessarily be considered masculine, I mm-hmm. do like this conversation in general in terms of uh, the broadness of what could be considered masculine and and yeah. it it almost sort of makes the terms irrelevant to some degree. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know that there's legit structural issues that go into it, but it is also nice when you can, um, you can just become flexible with the idea of like, well, you know, what, like, it, it it even goes into pro patriarchal. It goes back to that decolonizing yourself. Cause I was just yeah. going to say like, you know, uh, women can be assertive and it's like, yeah, but is that masculine? Like that's like a very antiquated, like yin and yang kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even that is like an American interpretation of what yin and yang right. is. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like 1980s karate movie. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. it's the feminine energy and there's a little masculine in there. <laughs> Exactly. It's all unfucking stable. And I think that's exactly what the world is proving to, to, I think that's what the people are proving to at least this country. Like everything is unstable because it doesn't, I mean, it's socially constructed at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think, I mean, but yes, like you said, there is a lot of, um, you know what, I think what I liked what you said about Andre's conversation was that it did place an emphasis or maybe not an emphasis, but at least it, 
it did have it, it placed fo- um not focus power yes. into the conversation right so you focus on power and how that that influences intersection intersectional theory and i think a lot of a lot of times we forget that power is an actual like mechanism right and yes like there is truth to okay uh, if you're more re- if you're read more as a masculine person you'll be afforded or, or you'll have more i don't know access to certain things that maybe that's exactly if you're what he said right? that's exactly. exactly so yeah that's crazy was, yeah oh sorry it's, it's what andre said mm-hmm yeah, no, no, no. And so I, that's, that's crazy because like, yes, I understand that there are things that I'm afforded like safety. What does safety look like for me versus someone who identifies as a cis woman in Koreatown at 11 PM walking my dog. Right. Yeah. So obviously I know I have that privilege, but then when you add, you know, these other intersections, um, you know, what if I see a white woman walking towards me? I get scared. I'm, I feel like I'd be, you know, some Yo, sort of I'm perpetrator c- of violence. I'm it's, cis just and straight. I'm cis and straight. And I think people will understand after the fucking, uh, what was the, the bird watcher and the white woman? Yeah. Oh my God. Amy Cooper. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm glad that you remember her name because I didn't want to call her Karen. Oh, Lord. And, well, and, and, I, and I definitely, like, I, I you know, I, I think that Amy Cooper's pretty white name. Yeah, no, 100%. There's, like, no way she's not white. But did you hear about the developments that, you know. Oh, that, that the gentleman didn't want to yeah. press charges. Yeah. But, well, the I actually, I saw that in an, uh, it, it was an article posted by The Independent. It was the end of my tirade. Mm. on instagram and i got upset because the headline said that black bird watcher targeted by woman and and i was like why not bird watcher targeted by white woman and even there the emphasis on Mm-hmm. on whose whose race is emphasized and whose race right. is, is is considered is not assumed it's considered normal right to say that like yeah you could be a comedian and be like yeah of course there's no black bird watchers whatever but like <laughs> in reality if you really deconstruct that fucking bullshit it's mm-hmm. bullshit because mm-hmm. the assumption is 100% that he's the anomaly and that she is and even in an article that is saying that, like, it's almost like it's written to imply that, like, oh, he comes from a culture where, like, they don't snitch. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's fucking, mm-hmm. that's that's the NPR lie. That's the fucking thing. Where mm-hmm. it's like, even though this guy is doing something good, they still manage a way to make it about his blackness, not her mm-hmm. whiteness. And, it, and the si- entire situation is about her whiteness. It could, like, you could just as easily, like, all you need to say is white woman, and the rest of the sentence is implied. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's very, yeah. I mean, fuck the media for that, for playing into all that. Well, Um, no, and for perpetuating it. But I'm just saying, I'm I'm just saying that that, like, that to me, that shit is fucking crazy. Yeah, no. Like the subtleties, you know, and 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 what I think. You know, the reason I asked you the question about, like, do you feel like the, there's a space where you're, where there's more of a possibility to talk about it and that I feel like uh, I can go on a fucking tirade 
And people will be like, wait, what is this person saying? And like, let me listen to his podcast for the first fucking time. Because <laughs> like, I've literally never seen, you know, I mean, I've always just assumed that when I post and my numbers go up, it, it's that case. But I literally hadn't put out an episode in two weeks because of the holiday, because of uh, 4th of July. And, yeah. and, and the listenership went up because... People were like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> oh, wow. This shit is racist. I mean, I'm assuming what the reaction was. But there was a reaction. And I was just like, the whole mm -hmm. time I was like, am I about to get canceled? Am I about to get canceled? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cancel culture needs to get canceled. I... It's it's all Gen Z's fault. I mean, <laughs> I take full accountability for the Gen Zers that do that. Because this is not... It's not cute. Yeah. To be canceling people left and right. Can we? Well, uh, it's I. You know yeah. what? You're taking a little too much blame because do you know? Did you see the thing? I don't know if you're up to date with. Uh, I can't, and I won't be able to retell it exactly. But uh, did you see the thing that happened with Nina Turner and Deborah Messing? Uh, no. Okay, so what? Deborah Messing. Here's a complete paraphrase. There's a really good breakdown who I, by um the humanist report which is mike figadero on youtube i did not eat i've watched him on and off for like years i had never even realized that he was he, he like uh i outed himself sounds aggressive but like he just acknowledged that he was a, 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 a at least i think he said queer person um but he broke down this whole thing and Deborah Messing is problematic in an intersectional way because, first of all, she gets so much liberal cred for having been on a fucking TV show that normalized gayness. But the mm -hmm. only person of color on that show was the maid. Oh, wow. Did you ever watch that watch show? It. No, I didn't watch it. Okay. So, um, so somehow her and Alyssa Milano are fucking Me Too leaders. Mm -hmm. But they're incredible hypocrites. So anyway, uh, Deborah Messing was saying that what's his face, uh, Kanye West yeah. was was like, you know, it was a, a legitimate or intentional ploy to be Jill Stein, who, by the way, I voted for. So mm -hmm. I take exception to her saying anything is wrong with Jill Stein running. But she said he's running to take away black young voters away from Biden. And it's disgusting. This is a paraphrase, but I'm trying to get it as close to uh, as I can. So N Nina Turner was like, yo, this is like not cool. Right. And then Homegirl doubles down. I mean, oh. Nina Turner rips her apart. It's worth fucking going to watch the Mike yeah. Theodore. I've given you a, a reference point if any listener wants the, the details on it. It was fucking awesome. Uh, but so what's her face? Then says, like, Nina, 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 how you're bitter because of Bernie, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, then, and then she's like, I'm going to go, I, I'm going to have Stacey Abram call you when I talk to her next week. <laughs> oh, my God. It just gets worse. And it actually gets worse from there. I just don't remember the details. But that is like, wow, bro. It just like, and then and basically Nina Turner comes back was like, yo, what the fuck are you doing yeah. trying to like? And then it, like she's like, what are you doing trying to uh, separate two black leaders, right. uh, to black women? You know, I'm going out of respect for all the people that gave us a voice by coming before us. 
you know, I'm not going to fucking buy into this. And then Deborah Messing was like, oh, you're trying to get your moment in the sun, trying to, you know, like, <laughs> it was just wow. so fucking wrong. <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, so basically Nina Turner said, like, one of the things that she said was like, Repeat after me. I, Deborah Messing, am a racist and I need help. Oh, my God. <laughs> please, Dang. yo, please go watch that because I know, I will. I know you will kidding? get so Mike Figadero, watch it. The Humanist Report. That might be easier okay. to remember. Humanist Report. You will fucking enjoy this shit. He does such a good job. Or, yeah, he does such a good job as... Um, like presenting that shit. Jesus. It's so fucking wow. funny. But, yo, that like... I had done a whole tirade <laughs> about, you know, pointing out that NPR, um, what's it called? NPR degrades Gandhi, right? Like NPR will post about Gandhi, uh, like uh, being a racist. And he has some very problematic views on fucking, uh, South Southern Sudanese, uh, people, uh, uh, Africans. I think he's called them subhuman from what I've heard. I, I actually don't know that to be a fact. That's actually not even from the NPR article. The NPR article was more identity politics and was focused on the fact that when he was like, like at one point he tried to, or he laid next to a 14-year-old girl to test his temptation. And like, yeah, that shit's fucked up. But like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, so like, but the thing that really fucked with me is that all of their narrative about Winston Churchill is that he's a hero. And even as recently as like July or, or uh, it was May, mm -hmm. you know, like right before the George Floyd murder, mm -hmm. uh, they were talking about what a hero he was in crisis in terms of like, you know, amping his narrative up in terms of the pandemic and like that story of like this white hero. But then after the George Floyd protest, they actually, for the first time in years, and I've been tracking this story since like, well, it was last year, but like I've been tracking them and like, it's the first time that they acknowledge that there's anything wrong with Winston Churchill. And it's when they boarded up the fucking statue of him that had been damaged uh -huh. In relation to wow. the protests. So, and th dude, that motherfucker is what, like, he right. represents what Gandhi was protesting. Right. Yeah. So it's this, like, massaging of imperialism. So after all mm. that fucking tirade of all these details, and then I was mm -hmm. just like, and then we get Deborah Messing. <laughs> that's the yeah. result of all this fucking media like she right. is personified it's mm -hmm. like 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 what i said about the amy cooper is that like there's no doubt in my mind that that woman has said i would never know what it's <laughs> like to be a black woman but right. then she's fucking knows how to weaponize her shit and i've mm -hmm. dealt with that in the art world out here and i know you have because we talked about it last time <laughs> right no that wow that okay that's a lot to unpack but go for it I go mean, for it this is like <laughs> we're, we're, you have the last word <laughs> i gave you a lot of shit go for the, it well you did but <laughs> i think okay i think one thing too that stuck out was Okay, identity politics, and what does it mean too when you're the queer brown person in the art world? I'm not trying to speak up for the brown community anymore, right? And I think that's what I was trying to get at too earlier. Is yes, that, yeah, I picked up um, on that. Yeah, yeah, like what what does that mean? 
who 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 like what it's i <laughs> there's it's a lot thrust there. upon you it's almost like it's almost like the the freedom that we were talking about is that now that's not an expectation right. because to impose that on you is racist and i think um hmm, right it's tokenizing but I think it's white supremacy. It's exoticization. Right. Oh, it's white explaining yeah. of your place in the world. It's like it's so many different pro- problematic things. Go ahead. And I don't want to say that I'm not like I, I'm like colorblind because I'm not. But I don't see myself. I think it's just the way the term "people of color" or "person of color" has been deployed. Like I don't know if I necessarily agree with. I mean, obviously, I am a person of color. I'm not saying I'm not negating the fact that I am. But what, like, how useful is that anymore? How useful is anything in this world? And like these terms um, to categorize. Are you talking more in terms of class now? Then, well, I guess I'm. See, that's that's my struggle. I can you get a little closer to your mic? Yeah. What about this? Is this yeah. Good? No, it's fine. It's just like the farther you get away, there's the more echo. I don't even know. I don't know if I'm thinking of one particular, I guess, uh, marker of anything or identity. It's just like, uh, it's just really, I think I'm at this point where I'm like, we have to destabilize everything. And I don't even know, but see, I also, I think I'm also in a very privileged position to do so. Um, I think I, I'll push back on that idea Yeah, because I think it's always people of privilege that are telling you to vote for Biden right right it's it's it's, it you know if you talk to brown people if you talk to like the mexicans in the neighborhood and i mean you're in koreatown Mm -hmm. there's fewer and fewer of them in my neighborhood i'm not gonna say where i am because i don't want to i don't want to fucking mark Marin this place and be like yeah i'm in this part of town let's raise the property values but right uh, yeah but sorry i lost my train of thought go ahead no yeah no i it's also interesting because this, I mean, it's problematic and I guess it depends on where you fall um, in terms of like whether you think voting is helpful or not. But honestly, this election for so many of our communities, we realize it's not really going to change much, like whether mm-hmm. it's Biden or Trump. I mean, we're still going to be in the same fucking position as we were even with under Obama mm-hmm. or under Bush. Right. So these this voting situation, I mean, I'm not really a fan of and I guess. I get it. Like, yes, the Supreme Court nominees are important too. So I'm kind of right now just also stuck in terms of what I want to do in November. Am I going to vote? Will that change anything for me as, you know, queer person of color with, you know, um, health conditions and whatever? I don't know. I don't know if it will. And I, it's, it's, a troubling almost it's like i i don't want to say that out loud because i know a lot of people in well, my communities they believe on in voting well know? i i will give you the space to feel comfortable believing what you mm-hmm. just expressed because i will go even further than what you said which is that um like i and i've mentioned that tirade and i'm processing it with you <laughs> but mm. uh yeah that's this is exactly what it was about I woke up one morning and I was fucking triggered because a lot of people in my community that I respect were shaming people. And I can, on an individual basis, parse and understand where they're coming from. 
But ultimately, I don't appreciate that approach to... It's like you're telling people, oh, you're not voting, but then you give them shit for how they vote. And like, which one do you want? And to be more specific about what the tirade was about, I was nervous about it because I posted an image from an article about slavery where there was literally a photograph of violence against the black body in that it was a man who was alive and they showed the slave traders branding that they put on his face. It was fucking horrifying. It's maybe the most violent thing that I've ever posted on Instagram, but I was posting it in a context that I feel ultimately comfortable with, which Mm -hmm. is to express that idea that they are, that it's perverse the way that those images are being used, that it's Mm -hmm. disgusting the way that NPR uses tragedy to not actually do journalism. It's only Mm -hmm. reality television. And so, so when you say that you feel bad saying that you don't necessarily know that voting matters, I feel bad that you feel bad saying that because, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you you know, because I feel bad that people make me feel bad about saying Mm -hmm. that. And I think that that is a part of decolonization where it's like we have for, I'm 40 years old. My first election was the Al Gore, George W. Bush hanging Chad bullshit. Mm. I have seen this shit. I lived through the Bush years. I was in Italy during the Reagan years. Mm. And I saw the war machine from that fucking, you know, from the CNN. I used to watch CNN news when it was headline news and it would just play the same shit every hour before it became this fucking other crazy garbage where like you have Rachel Maddow coming up with conspiracy theories. (laughs) Bro, my parents, my mom still believes that like, Putin is like an issue and like, yeah, it's this, he's the same kind of issue that China is, but like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sorry. I thought I was going to give you the last word. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) No, I, 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 it's just, yeah. When you're, I think. Oh, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it was Obama that put slavery in Libya. It was Obama. He didn't like impose it, but that was a stable country and they Mm -hmm. destabilized it. It was him and Hillary Clinton. And so when people say that, like, oh, Donald Trump is, you know, you're going to vote for the him and hurt marginalized people. I'm like, who? Who's left to fucking hurt? Exactly. Right. That's what I, I mean. That's what I'm saying. It's like, look, these presidents have never been good for anybody but the elite, the one percenters. Yeah. And it's, it, it's yeah, it's really sad when you also see people of color kind of go against you when you say, oh, I'm not voting. Because, I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm not even questioning the fact that voting isn't helpful. Well, I, I would think, encourage I you to for, vote. I, yeah. I would just encourage you to vote for someone else. Like, I vote there. I, like, here, here's my votes, voting strategy. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you vote and then you don't vote, the, like, but you don't vote establishment, like, what can anyone say? You voted. 
they're going to be, what are they going to say? It's throwing your vote away. Fuck you. Like (laughs) here's my voting strategy from now on. Every incumbent is out. Mm -hmm. I vote against every single incumbent. I didn't come up with this. Josh Olson of the uh, West Wing thing podcast did, but yo, I'm voting. If I, if I was voting for AOC, vote her out. If I was Mm -hmm. voting, if I was in Bernie's district, vote him out. Vote every single fucker out. Because at this point, even the motherfuckers that don't take money from corporations still vote with the corporation's desires. So, like, and that's what you got. Like, yo, people are going to get evicted, man. It's caring. I know. Uh, That's that's a whole other situation. Well, I'll have you back. We'll talk about it after that's happened. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully post-pandemic, but people are still safe and not evicted but I, I i can't even there's just too much happening i mean with the olympics also happening wait eight there's years olympics? or eight years yeah really LA olympics 2028 i mean that's just gonna catalyze so much i, I it's scary it's scary to think that here we are or at least here i am in a community that is fighting against uh these normative structures and yet here's a looming future which is the 28 28 olympics and a whole city that wants to destroy our communities just for this profit-making moment, yeah. which is only going to last for a couple of months, and then what happens after that? Yeah. Um, it's scary. It's scary to think that. But I think I'm not losing hope because I see so much that is already happening, both within me, but also because of the communities that I'm in. You're also not losing hope because you've got fucking energy. And you're a Zoomer. <laughs> and I'm a Gen Zer. <laughs> I did not even know that's what we were called, a Zoomer. No, it's like a, I, I guess it might be like, oh a, 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 it, it's, it's like a derivative of Boomer. I'm like but, the, la- yeah. But like with like technology. But right. yeah, dude, I mean, you give me hope because you're oh, so Lord. energized. And <laughs> like, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I talk to younger people because fuck, man. If all I did was talk to like people my age, we'd just like lose all hope. <laughs> it's it's bleak out here, but in spite of that bleakness, I think yeah. there's a little bit of light. There's that horizon that I was talking about last yeah. time. Well, that, your your job is to like motivate old assholes like me to have hope because <laughs> if you don't do that, then nothing's gonna happen because yeah, we're gonna yeah. be the fucking seniors soon. And, oh my god! Uh, and so I'm oh. excited because I think you might actually have the energy. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's sustainable. That's yeah. that's another thing that I'm also working on. The sustainable hope. Well, I think that the strife is gonna is gonna be bad enough that like there's gonna be a lot of angry people. Yeah. And a lot of angry people is a lot of bodies. Mm-hmm. And you can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one thing for death squads to turn on Latin American movements uh, uh, against oppression, but like over here. The military are our families. So, <laughs> you know, like people are related to people here and right. they, they don't have the same kind of fucked up relationship to the communities that the cops do. There's yeah. a, a lot of the fucking training. I don't know about the police, but a lot of the training in the military is designed like a lot of that blood, blood, blood shit is designed because people are prone to not want to kill people. So, like, that just puts the fucking like they have to you know like in war people tend to shoot over people's heads and stuff like that like a lot of military training is designed to make you 
fight against that urge to not harm someone to the death, right? Mm-hmm. And so that just goes to show you how fucked up. <laughs> yeah, fuck the police, basically. Fuck the military. Yeah, no, fuck the military's fucked up. But even in terms of like training, like I mean, yeah, you know. Yo, like we can go on about that, but yeah, right. we'll, we'll stop right here. I'll have you back. Uh, like, dude, I need fucking content, and and I just like talking to you. <laughs> so, Likewise, you know, so, there's always a lot to talk about. Yeah, and and uh, and I mean, you're my friend, and I can't hang out with you, and there's no art things that we can go to no. that I like. Ugh. All of the momentum that I was like trying to build. <sighs> Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but now it's just like, hey, at least I have friends, and I can fucking yo. Know, I'm literally. Launching the Patreon more than anything so that I don't get lonely. Yeah, no, that's real. That's, <laughs> look, that's if anything, we're look. It's cheesy, but we are alone together. So <laughs> yeah, we gotta don't reach out. Don't ever say that again together. to me, though. I know, I know. <laughs> it's like so bad, but like, I guess where I'm coming from, it's like okay, I get it. It's it's yeah, it's a <laughs> no, no. I'm just giving you shit. All right, um, man. I, I right. really appreciate you. I really yeah. like. I I have very warm feelings. I say that that's become my my new cheesy way of expressing. Uh, but I have warm feelings towards uh, our relationship. So, thank you for coming like on. Uh, and uh, yeah, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. No problem. Have a good one. You too.